Welcome to the Voices in Recovery podcast. Voices in Recovery is produced by Freedom's Path Recovery Society, a registered Canadian charity. If you enjoy the podcast, please consider a donation at www.freedomspathrecoverysociety.ca. All donations go directly to assisting Freedom's Path in providing services free of charge and helps us keep the podcast going. We are grateful for any and all donations. This podcast discusses difficult topics such as childhood abuse, drug and alcohol use, sexuality, sexualized trauma, and more. If you are under the age of 18, please speak with your legal guardian prior to listening. The opinions expressed during the podcast are those of the individual and not those of Voices in Recovery or Freedom's Path Recovery Society. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoy the podcast. This podcast is being recorded on the traditional land of the Blackfoot Confederacy. This consists of the Kainai, Pekani, Siksika, and the Blackfeet in the U.S. We acknowledge the Stony Nakoda, which consists of the Bearspaw, Morley, and Chinookie. We acknowledge the Satina, who are Dene, and the Métis, Inuit, status and non-status from all of Turtle Island, and those who are visiting. We are all treaty people. Brie, thank you for coming. Thank you so much for having me. It is our pleasure. Now, do you prefer Brie or Brienne? Brie's, Brie's cool. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're familiar enough to call you Brie? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, sweet. Because sometimes, you, you know, you start calling someone their nickname and they're like, I don't know you well enough for that. No. It's, right that's, that's totally cool. <laughs> cool. Well, you take it away. Tell okay. us about yourself. Um, so, I was born in Calgary. I grew up in Cochrane. Um, I was adopted at birth, hmm. so I had always grown up knowing that I was adopted, um, but I hadn't really grasped, like, the concept mm-hmm. of it. Um, like, obviously, being young and mm-hmm. not really, like, understanding and, um, <clears throat> I kind of, like... You didn't have much of a choice, either. You just kind of had to... Do it, yeah, right? yeah. My parents did a really, a really good job at, um, like explaining it to me. Mm-hmm. Like, I remember there were like books that I had and that I would re- like that I would read, mm-hmm. and um, so like I, I lived a I lived a really good life. Um, I was quite privileged, I guess Mm -hmm. you could say. Um, My parents worked really hard for their money. Mm -hmm. Um, I definitely had a lot of opportunities that other kids didn't have. Um, We traveled a lot. (laughs) Okay. A lot. Um, And... So, like, lots of trips, like family trips and stuff? All the time. Okay. Like, (laughs) I think the first time... I ever went somewhere, I was like two months old, Mm. and we went to Mexico, and um, so yeah, lots lots of trips. Um, I was like in school, like I played soccer, I did baseball, and um, then I got involved with dance, Mm. and I fell in love with dance, Um, and same with piano and singing. So I, I, and I became like immersed in piano. I did, I did really, really well. Um, Like I could 
she, like my piano teacher would get us to perform and I would just memorize the music. Mm. Like I wouldn't need the sheets. Yeah. Um, and I loved it. And <laughs> I wow, actually wanted Yeah. <laughs> I actually wanted to be like my dream when I was a kid, I wanted to be a ballerina <laughs> when mm. I grew up. Yeah. Um so yeah, Me like too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, so like I I had I had a really good childhood and there were a lot of really good memories. Mm -hmm. Um but there were also some some bad memories. Mm. Um, my um, my dad um, he had quite a quite a bit of a temper, and you know I um, to this day I I I don't I don't resent him for that anymore, mm. um, and that's that's due to the work that. I've done in the program and mm. um, whatnot, but like I said, there there were a lot of good memories and there were also some 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 bad memories. Mm. Um, and I think that when you're you're really young and you're growing up in an environment where your parents um, are like your role models mm. and your protectors and um, you're, you're seeing certain kinds of behaviors and you're so young that you don't have like the coping mechanisms. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. and, um, and so you develop some unhealthy ones. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it, it, it was... Yeah, there it was. So that was that was difficult for me, for sure. And um, some some like traumatic memories. And um, I'll I'll like I'll get to that later oh. in my story. But um, however you choose. Thank you. <laughs> mm, of course. Um, so yeah, like I I I did pretty like I liked school. I think up until. It was like grade grade six, grade five, grade six, um, and that's when I I really I stopped wanting to go to school. Mm -hmm. um, like I was just talking about it with my sponsor a couple days ago, and I was being bullied so bad that. It was so stressful for me, just the thought of waking up and going to school. Mm. Um, so there were things that were going on at school, and there were things that were going on at home, mm. and those were really the two, most of the two places that I spent the most time. Mm. So any time that... Um, I would have like these extracurricular activities. That's when I I would f I felt like free, mm. you know, to be to be myself. But um, yeah, it was really it was really tough, especially um, the bullying that mm. that took place. Um, so I am Indigenous, and um, I was bullied because I was Indigenous, 
and um, I was also bullied because I was adopted. Mm. So, like, kids can be so mean. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I remember um, this girl on the bus one day told me that my mom didn't love me. And as a child, you hear something like that, and it's mm. really difficult to process it. So, like, that was traumatic. Like, mm. um, I walked home that day because I didn't even take the bus. I didn't want to take mm. the bus home from school. And um, I just, I was hysterically crying, like, the whole way home. And I think that's when it kind of started to click. Like, why didn't my biological mother want me? Mm. What's wrong with me? Um, mm. like I, I started asking myself those kinds of questions and, um, you know, I, I think being an addict, we already feel like different. Um, and then having, you know, being the fact that I'm indigenous being made fun of for that. Mm -hmm. So automatically I, I already hated myself for those, mm -hmm. for those two reasons, being adopted and being indigenous, which is really sad because it's, you know, it's tragic. It's it tragic. Is. I could, I could say what it's like to be bullied, but not, not in that way. Yeah. Right? Um, like not just for like who you were born as. Yeah. yeah. It was, it was devastating. Mm -hmm, um, I bet. And it was, it was so hard. Like, just the anxiety of knowing that I had to go to school every day. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I, I, I would talk to my, like my parents and my parents are baby boomers. So back then it was kind of just, just deal with it. Mm -hmm. Like uh, kids are mean, kids are going to be mean. Like you just deal with it. Mm -hmm. But, um, so I, I kind of felt like, okay, like I, I can't come, I can't come to mm. you if that's, and that, that's what I perceived it as. Mm. Um, so really I just felt like I was fending for myself, mm. so to speak, mm -hmm. in a lot of these situations. Um, and I had, um, I have a sister um, who we were, very close um, growing up. And then um, I come from a really, we, we went to church every Sunday. Mm -hmm. So it was like a strict Catholic family. So fun. <laughs> yeah. So lots of fun every week. Um, so there were, there were rules. Goddamn and, Catholic church. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, <clears throat> you know, if, if you didn't, if my sister didn't come home at mm. a certain time, you know, you weren't allowed to be back in the house, mm -hmm. so to speak. And, um, you know, they, they talked to her and said, um, you know, you have a little sister who's really looking up to you and you need to be setting a good example. And, you know, your, your actions and your behaviors aren't setting um, the example that mm -hmm. we want you to be setting for her so you have a decision to make, like you can stay and follow the rules or you can leave. And um, she left. Mm. And that was 
an, an, a re another traumatic time mm -hmm. in my life because here's somebody who was like a protector for me and um, I remember I, I remember the day specifically she came home with her husband now and she had a bunch of garbage bags with her um, and I was like what is going on like what are you doing and I think she said something like I have to leave I'm really sorry like um, you know you can come visit me whenever you want and I think that is when things kind of went like dark mm -hmm. for me because I felt like I was kind of left left alone and from you know having already having the abandonment issues of wondering why my biological mom didn't want me. Mm. Um, I really, I think looking back at it now, I really struggled with that. Um, and that was really hard. Mm. Um, so, um, yeah, um, <clears throat> sorry. No, it's okay, you take your time. Um, so yeah, I, 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 th I did, I think I did pretty well in school up until, up until then. And then as all this was happening, I just started to withdraw. Mm. Um, I never did well, like academically in school. Like there were only a couple of, of subjects that I did, um, well in, but math, um, I really struggled with mm. um, and it it was it was hard because I felt like I needed to compete with the other students in my class because I wasn't getting good grades and um, I remember like do you remember I don't know if any of you remember but like those um, report cards that you would get I don't know mm -hmm. if you were young enough or oh yeah <laughs> I was the a young baby cards. once, too. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Where they would write, like, your grades on And then, like, little and, notes in the... Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I would be super anxious because mm -hmm. I know that um, I wouldn't get good grades. And um, I just... I To be honest with you, I kind of just stopped caring. Mm. Um, once I started getting bad grades and then um, into junior high... Um, the bullying continued, and um, I was I was still doing extracurricular activities like um, piano and and dance and singing. But I think that's around the time when I stopped going. Mm -hmm. um, I I got into like the wrong crowd and in junior high, I, I guess you could say. Mm -hmm. And that was like the first time that I really felt like accepted. Um, so I started smoking weed and, and cigarettes. I, I was pretty young. Mm -hmm. um, I think I was like 13 um, and I loved it mm -hmm. because I was like, I finally feel like I fit in somewhere. Um, I'm not being, I'm not being judged mm -hmm. like, I can relax and um, 
I liked the bad attention that I would get. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually thrived off it. Um, I was really bad mm-hmm. in high school. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was like the kid that parents didn't want their kids to hang out with. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, I totally understand why. Um, and even in, even in high school, the bullying was still continuing. Um, and it was this group, it was this group of girls. And I like, have, have you, I'm sure you've seen the movie Mean Girls. Yes. There was like the Regina George of oh, no. the Mean Girls. And oh, then no. just like her followers. And you had was, a Regina in your school? I did. Oh, Jesus. And she loved to pick on me. Oh. Yeah, she loved to pick on me. And it was, it was really upsetting. With a name like that, though, I think <laughs> you're kind of set out to, like, attack people. Yeah. 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 So if you're out there listening, no more Reginas. Yeah. No more Regina Phalanges. <laughs> <laughs> um, Nobody else got the Friends reference, I know. <laughs> She got it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it was it was it was hard because like there was a girl that I had even gone to preschool with, like we grew up together, mm. and she became friends with this, so to speak, Regina George, mm-hmm. and like she turned on me. Like this other girl that I was friends with became friends with her, and she turned on me too. Another girl that I was friends with became mm-hmm. friends with her and turned on me. Like it was, oh my God, like, and like people wonder why, like I have resentment towards mm-hmm. women. Like I just, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just not a very big fan. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, you haven't experienced like love from a group of women yet. So yeah. 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 Maybe um, you've started to, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I won't speak for you now, but at that point, at least you had not. No. Definitely not. So, um, so yeah, um, I, it definitely started with smoking pot and the cigarettes and, um, the rebelling Mm -hmm. in high school, um, because I love the bad attention that I got from Mm -hmm. teachers. Um, the vice principal would literally be standing in the front hallway of the school after lunch break waiting for me (laughs) to tell me to go home and change my clothes because I smell like marijuana. Mm. (laughs) And um, here comes Brie again. I mean, Otto. Yeah. (laughs) And um, he would say, go home, shower, change your clothes and come back to school. And I would, I would, like think in my head like if I'm going home I'm not coming back to school Mm -hmm. so um so yeah that that behavior um was obviously causing turmoil Mm -hmm. in um in my like with my parents and I I just think that they just they didn't know how to handle me because I was just so angry Mm -hmm. all the time um, I, I rebelled, like, I, I, I didn't follow the rules, um, and, like, I remember, like, punching holes through the walls, just not being able to regulate my emotions, and, um, 
looking back, I was just a scared, lonely little girl mm. that was just acting out because I wanted attention and I didn't, you know, like getting that bad attention. I was like, oh, okay, this is how I can mm -hmm. and feel good about myself. So I'm going to continue to do this. Um, like just a real wild child. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I can remember the first time um, I picked up a drink and it's funny because I really didn't like it at first. Mm -hmm. Like most alcoholics are like, I had arrived and <laughs> like I, I had found heaven. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I really don't, I, I didn't really like it at, at first. And, um, and then I remember I was like a, I don't know, I think I was like a flower girl and a wedding, like my dad's cousin's wedding, and we were all in the limo, and they were all drinking champagne, like they were like feeding me alcohol, and um, that's like kind of when it like hit me that I was like, okay, mm -hmm. like I feel safe now. Mm -hmm. um, and it's interesting because I didn't like it the first time mm -hmm. that I drank it. But it, it made me, I felt like I was funny, mm -hmm. like people were laughing at me. So I was getting this other kind of attention. Um, and like, I really em want to emphasize the word that I felt safe mm -hmm. when I drank it. Yeah. <laughs> because um, I, d I definitely struggled with anxiety, mm -hmm. definitely social anxiety. Um, and anyways, it was like turned out to be a disaster because like the whole like reception, I was in the bathroom like sick and mm -hmm. everyone was really upset because they fed me champagne in the, mm -hmm. in the limo and oh my God, my parents were just so upset and, um, it was like, I'm never doing that again. And how old were you? How old was I yeah. when that happened? Oh my gosh. Because that would have upset a lot of people, I think. Like, oh my God, it did. Seeing kids drunk and like out of control is really hard for adults. Yeah, like I know. Especially my, if you're a parenting type of adult. Well, yeah, yeah, like my parents, like yeah. they were pissed. Yeah. Like a lot of our family members were like really angry. Yeah. Um, I was underage. Mm -hmm. Like I, I, I was an, like a teenager. Mm -hmm. I was definitely underage. Um, I don't know specifically what age I was, but... Um, yeah, it's kind of like people get really bent out of shape if the person's too young or too old having that kind of a fun time. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah, no everyone me. gets, like, concerned when it's grandpa, too. You're like, mm -hmm. Ew, grandpa, you should probably slow down. Like, yeah. you know, and just like if it was a kid. Yeah. Um, so I think after feeling like that, that was... I just, I, I wanted to feel like that again and again and again. So, um, in, in high school, I was like 16 and that was the first time that I moved out on my own. And that was not a good idea. 
Um, I moved into a home where like there was no like parental supervision. Mm -hmm. Like we were allowed to do whatever we wanted. Um, like if we were doing drugs, that was okay. Mm -hmm. If we were drinking, that was okay. And, um, so every time I drank, um, I would black out. Like, I would black out, and then um, I started to experiment with psychedelics, like um, mushrooms, acid, and um, those were, like, a big thing for me for a while. And then um, ecstasy, MDMA, yeah. And, like, looking back now, like, I... I knew that I was addicted, like, even at such a young age, mm -hmm. because if I didn't have, like, a drink or a drug, um, like, I would panic. Um, mm -hmm. Because, again, that's when I felt safe and, like, mm -hmm. comforted. Like, I could talk to other people, feel like I was accepted. Um, and I remember thinking to myself, like, this is not normal. Mm. Like, this isn't okay. Mm. <laughs> like, obviously growing up in, like, a, a strict Catholic home, like... Mm. Pretty contrary. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I knew that what I was doing wasn't okay. Mm. Um, so eventually... I did move back in with my mom and dad, but now I had like not only um, an addiction to alcohol, but drugs as well. Mm -hmm. I mean, I guess pot's a drug, but yeah. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so that was really, um, I like, I just, I feel terrible for the, the stuff that. Mm -hmm. I put my parents through because I would I would come home just so intoxicated and um, not remembering anything mm -hmm. and I can't imagine being a parent and and seeing that um, mm -hmm. and not knowing what to do. Yeah. Um, Must be pretty scary as a parent. Yeah, it would be. Mm -hmm. um, and they they did like it. I I have really good parents. Like they're mm -hmm. very supportive and like. Um, you know, I, I think that we're all human and we just make mistakes and we mm -hmm. do the best with what we know. And, um, they were just doing the best they could with what they mm -hmm. knew. Um, so I did enter into the, I think it was called ADAC, mm -hmm. um, as a teen, and I went to my very first AA meeting. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I, w I just, I wasn't ready. Like I was no. still in so much pain. Mm -hmm. um, and I would get in these fights with my dad. And I think that he just wouldn't know how to handle it. Mm -hmm. And so he would just tell me to leave. And I would. Mm. Um, 
And there was this one evening, and it was the day before Christmas Eve. I wanted to go somewhere where I knew that they wouldn't be able to find me. Mm -hmm. um, so I ended up like calling one of my sister's friends. And I, I think I was like, yeah, I was 13 mm -hmm. at the time that this happened. Um, Sorry, I, I know I keep jumping like back and forth. You, but you're allowed to jump wherever you okay. like. It's your story. You have complete freedom. Okay. <laughs> um, and Unlike Darcy, who has to take a picture at some point. A, a, a Unlike Darcy, who has to take a picture at some point. Okay. You have complete freedom. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but it was the day before Christmas Eve. And I called one of my sister's friends. I don't even know how I got his number. And he came and picked me up and I went, um, excuse me, over to his house. And um, he was a lot older than me and um, it was consensual, but I ended up sleeping with him mm -hmm. and um, you know, like, if, like, in terms, yeah, it was statutory, mm. but it was consensual. Mm -hmm. um, and I had a therapist at the time, and um, she wanted me to tell my parents, and I did. Mm. And that did not go over very well. Mm. Um, they wanted to press charges because mm -hmm. he was older than me mm -hmm. um, and it was actually my sister's best friend at the time and um, she apparently like confronted him and he denied it which pissed me off but it's mm -hmm. like whatever um, and I, I didn't want to press charges because like it was consensual mm -hmm. um, but like it wasn't right, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and oh my God, like it was so difficult because my mom took me like to the like STD clinic like downtown and mm -hmm. like I was like the youngest person there um, with my mom um, getting checked for like an STD mm -hmm. and so just all this like just made me feel so much different mm. um, from all the other kids in school and um, so so yeah like drinking and drugging was definitely a big part of my early my young adult mm. adult life um, and then um, we were, my dad um, owns property out in BC, so we were there like every, pretty much like every weekend. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And um, then we like spent a summer out there and I had met a girl that I was working with um, at like my very first job and um, 
probably not the best influence on each other. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, we did. We have a way of finding each other, though. Yeah. Yeah. Those, those souls who need each other. Yeah. Hey? <laughs> <laughs> we did a lot of, um, a lot of bad stuff together. Um, and like, I'm just thinking about it now and I'm just like looking at the progression. Mm -hmm. Like even at such a young age, it's crazy. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. It just moves at its own speed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I blacked out like every time I drank, mm -hmm. like I just couldn't, I just couldn't pace myself. Mm -hmm. I don't know what it was. Um, and she would always get so mad at me because I would be like the sloppy drunk mm -hmm. um, and then she would have to like take care of me or she'd just like leave me in the bathroom with my head in the toilet. Um, yeah, and so we moved out there eventually. Um, I think I was in like grade, grade 10. Um, and then... I had met this guy. It's always <laughs> tale as old as time. As Apparently, meeting say. guys is a problem. <laughs> um, he again was older than me. I think I was seventeen, and he was like twenty-five. Mm. <laughs> um, and this was just like a very like booze-filled mm -hmm. relationship. And um, one night he was doing cocaine. And same thing, like I tried it for the first time, didn't like it, mm -hmm. didn't really, wasn't really doing it. Mm -hmm. Like I hadn't tried it for a while then. Um, and then our relationship became um, like he would, like, because I wasn't paying for anything, he would think it was okay to, like, kick me out in the middle of the night, mm. like, when we were drinking together. And um, my parents were, like, getting really worried about me because it was becoming, like, an abusive relationship. Mm. Um, and I think they started to notice that. Um, and they ended up getting me my own apartment out in B.C., um, to like kind of get away from him mm -hmm. and I had never really I had never had my own place before I'm in like this new town I'm going to this new school mm -hmm. um, and I started to meet like these other people who were my age and who were drinking like it was funny because I had just turned 18 and, or sorry, yeah, this was after, yeah, I just turned 18, and the legal drinking age in BC is 19, mm -hmm. so I was pissed. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyways, <laughs> and, um, but there's, there, you know, there's, um, there are always ways around mm -hmm. to finding somebody to buy you alcohol, and um, that's when I started to do... Um, more serious drugs um, more frequently um, like ketamine and cocaine mm -hmm. was was a big one um, and then 
um, I met, um, and it, I, like, thinking back on it now, I think this is, like, the only person that I've ever, like, truly loved that I've dated and been in a relationship. Um, he was a heavy cocaine user, too. So it was, it was a very um, drug-fueled relationship. Mm. Um, and obviously, when you're both doing, well, when anybody is doing drugs, um, you're not be acting properly mm. and it was it was really toxic um and yeah that's that's when I started getting into cocaine really heavily um I dropped out of school um like I would bring it with me to school and do it like mm -hmm. at school like just ridiculous because that would be a fun place to be super high no it's and not strung out <laughs> Yeah, I wouldn't think so. It's not. Um, so, yeah, I just I stopped going to school um, and just I would still be blacking out, but now I found something that could keep me up and I wouldn't get as drunk mm. on. Um, and like, I thought I was having fun, but things started becoming unmanageable. Like I wouldn't be able to um, afford food um, because I would be buying alcohol and cocaine. And um, like, I wouldn't be able to, um, like I wasn't taking care of myself um drugs and alcohol were like the only thing that I started to to care about mm -hmm. at that point um and I wasn't an everyday user um I was like a binge user so I would go on these binges and have like a a couple days off here and there and um I I knew like deep down that what I was doing um, wasn't right. It didn't feel right, but I used the excuse that because um, everybody around me was mm -hmm. doing it, so this is okay. Um, and I think it was, I was about 19 or in my early 20s, um, my parents, um, they started seeing things in me, like they, they knew what was going on. Um, and they took me in to have me tested for fetal alcohol syndrome. Um, I guess that it wasn't exactly clear on my birth records. Um, it, one said that um, my biological mom didn't drink when she was pregnant with me. Mm -hmm. And um, another one said that she may have consumed alcohol mm -hmm. when she was pregnant with me. Um, and I remember thinking, like, I don't have fetal alcohol syndrome. Um, I clearly just have an issue with drugs and alcohol. Oh. Um 
so and the, the testing took took a while um, to get done and um, I remember the day that the doctor sat me down and told me that I had fetal alcohol syndrome I just broke down mm-hmm. um, I was so upset like so not only did I already hate myself for um, being indigenous and being adopted, mm-hmm. but now I have like this other like diagnosis mm-hmm. that I have to deal with. And I was like disgusted with myself. Um, and I think I just spiraled mm-hmm. after that. Um, and I definitely used it as an excuse to fuel my drug and alcohol addiction. Um, that relationship um, with um, the person that I was like using heavily with had ended and I was like super heartbroken and um, I moved back to Cochrane and then I kind of just like bounced around from like relationship to relationship to relationship um I I just had such a fear of being alone like because I didn't want to be alone in my head um and that's when the self-harm started um I would go on these binges and you know if I'm being honest with you I didn't even really like doing cocaine Um, but you get a couple drinks in me and like, I will stop at nothing to, to, to find it. Um, and when I was coming down, that's when, um, the self-harm started. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and I remember being one of those people saying like, I'm never going to do that to myself. And, um, then I started doing things that I also said I was never going to do, like stealing money from my parents and um, stealing alcohol from my parents. And um, so, like, the the trust with them was, like, completely gone, um, obviously. Mm-hmm. And um, so I started... <laughs> I try to catch him every once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> Did you get a couple, dude? Yeah. Okay, right on. I hope it was a good one. <laughs> um, stealing from other people. Mm. Like, I was the type of addict that would steal your shit and help you look for it. Mm. Um, what are the good ones, then? Yeah. 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 Good little druggie. <laughs> That's right. Um, and then it wasn't until I got... My first um, criminal charge mm. that the my lawyer presented me with the opportunity to either go to treatment mm. or go to jail um, mm. because the offense, like the crime that I committed, was pretty serious. Mm. Um, I was stealing money from the place that I worked. Mm. Um, and that's like, yeah. it doesn't matter if you've had a criminal record or not. Like you go to jail for, mm. for something like that. Um, but I was, I was 
that, that was how I was supporting my drug habit. Yeah. Um, and I knew I was going to get caught. And to be honest, like when I did get caught, it was such a relief because it's over. Yeah, it, it was. Um, and like, I knew I needed help, but I just didn't want to get help yet. Mm -hmm. Um, so when my lawyer gave me the opportunity of going to treatment or going to jail, I seriously sat and considered the fact of going to jail. Mm -hmm. um, and I think he could like tell that, tell mm -hmm. that I was thinking about it because he was like, if you end up going to jail, he's like, I can guarantee you you're going to go in there. You're either going to be somebody's bitch. He's like, or you're going to come out way worse than you did mm. when you went in there. And I was like, oh my God. Okay. Like I'll go to treatment. But like after I go to treatment, like I'll just start using again. Um, so I was court ordered to go to Aventa. Um, and funny story. I, um, I still had THC in my system. Um, like I wasn't using at the time because I was on house arrest and I was living with my parents. Um, but because I still had THC in my system, I had to go to detox because mm. they wanted to make sure that I wasn't using yeah. before, um, <laughs> mm -hmm. before going to treatment. Cause like THC st still stays in your system. So you here, stay in for months though. Yeah. 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 So here I am at alpha house. First time I've ever been to detox mm -hmm. because I have THC in my system. <laughs> and that was quite the experience. I bet. Let me tell you. I bet. Because <laughs> I can assure you 99% of the rest of the people there were not THC in no, their system, folks. I'm yeah. pretty sure I was the only one in yeah. there. Um, and um, I met another guy. <laughs> So embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> it's a part of the thing. Yeah. It's part of the thing. Um, at Alpha House, and if I didn't meet this person, I really don't think that after I finished treatment, I would have stayed sober mm -hmm. um, because I started attending um, AA, other 12-step meetings like CMA, mm -hmm. Um and it was just like something to do because I was living um, in like sober living at the time. Mm -hmm. And that was like one of the requirements. Um, and I was planning on going back to school. I was going to hair school. And um, so, yeah, that was just like the thing to do mm -hmm. and was go to meetings together and um I went to hair school, I graduated hair school, and um, I managed to stay sober for about a year and a half. Mm -hmm. um, and then I started smoking weed again. And um, that's kind of where I started going downhill again mm -hmm. um, because I just couldn't stop. Like once I picked it up, I couldn't stop. Mm. I couldn't put it back down. Um, and the person that I was in the relationship with at the time 
he had stopped going to meetings, so I used that as an excuse mm. to stop going to meetings, um, stopped like reaching out for support, and um, so obviously because I picked up one substance, what do you think is gonna happen? Mm. Um, I I relapsed. Um, and that was the first time that I had experienced psychosis. Mm -hmm. um, that was the first time that I was ever um, admitted for long stay mm -hmm. on the psychiatric unit. And it was really difficult because like, I genuinely like wasn't, like after I relapsed, like I had reached out, like told people mm -hmm. what had happened. Um, and then my boyfriend at the time, um, I was coming down really bad. And this is like all before Christmas. So like Christmas is like a difficult time for me. Mm -hmm. um, I, and because like the day before Christmas Eve, like I was, kicked out of my house when I was 13 and just like those memories. Yep. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, so I'm just like not a big fan. I wasn't a big fan of Christmas. And this happened like right before Christmas. Um, my boyfriend at the time, like I was coming down really bad and um, I told him I needed to go to the hospital because um, I was feeling suicidal. And he left me in my apartment um, by myself so like again like more abandonment mm -hmm. issues like resurfaced um, and I just remember like screaming and crying like by myself in the apartment like thinking to myself like I have like one or two choices um, I can keep going or I can like reach out for mm -hmm. help um, so I did and um, I was going back to meetings and like I was keeping in contact with my sponsor, but at the same time, like I wasn't sleeping, I was still smoking weed and um, my behavior changed. Um, like I wasn't eating, I started having like racing thoughts, like um, I was, saying things that weren't making sense to other people, but like they were making sense to me. Um, like I literally thought that like I had superpowers um, and just not making any sense. Did you um, have superpowers though? <laughs> like of any kind? I'm always I curious. I thought I did. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it turned out no? No. Oh, unfortunately right. not. Um, Shit. I know. <laughs> That's um, okay. So during my time... I've been that disappointed too when you're yeah. like, I don't have superpowers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, during that time um, in the psych ward, I was at Peter Lougheed. I was diagnosed with bipolar mm. disorder um so I was like in a manic state for like two months mm. like just balls to the wall that's an awful state to be in yeah um and 
I don't know if you've ever been in, in long stay at Peter Lougheed. No, but I have had the bipolar, yes. Okay. Yes. You're I shouldn't lucky. say I have had bipolar. Okay. I do have bipolar. Okay. <laughs> okay, so you know what I'm talking about, like the superpowers kind of thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's why I made a joke of it, because mm. it's, it's very close to home. That's okay. Um, best way to not cry is to make a joke, right, yeah. Chris? <laughs> um, so I was not in the common area. I was in high ops. Mm. Um, and high ops, you have like, it's literally like a cell. Mm -hmm. um, like you have your own toilet and your own sink and your own bed. Um, and they are able to like lock the door. Mm. Um, and it's locked from another door. Like there's only like three rooms. Um, and then there's another door that's locked um, from the rest of the unit. And I was in there for like a good couple of weeks. Mm. Um, yeah. Psychosis was bad, eh? It was really bad yeah. um, because I'm pretty sure like the cocaine that I had picked up when I relapsed had like um, methamphetamines in it mm -hmm. um, because they said that the behaviors that I was displaying were like... Meth users yeah, consistently? Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, so... I'm like claustrophobic now mm -hmm. because of that. Um, and there was like, so there were like these three, these three rooms. Um, and then there was like a shower and they would lock the shower door when you were in the shower. Mm -hmm. However, this one time when I was in the shower, they didn't lock the shower and one of the other patients came in while I was showering. So that just triggered like a whole bunch of other sexual trauma that mm -hmm. I had had. Um, and when you're in that state of mind and you're telling people these things, like they're not going to believe you and the kind of, um, um, the kind of care that I was getting, um, I don't think was ideal. Um, my psychiatrist in there, she, she was very cold um, and the nurses would make racial, um, racist comments. Um, like just. I'd like to say that's hard to believe, but it's really not no, anymore. No, it's not. not. Anymore. Um, it's way too believable. Yeah. And, um, you know, going back to the sexual trauma when I was drinking and using, um, I would put myself in really dangerous situations. Mm -hmm. Um, and um, there, ha there had been like a couple cases of date rape. Mm -hmm. um, so anyways, yeah, like when you're manic, people aren't gonna believe you what mm -hmm. you're saying. I said, I'm like, the shower door wasn't closed. I was, I was sexually harassed. Like mm -hmm. nobody believed me. Um, like I wasn't, allowed to change my bed sheets and I ended up getting like bed sores like all over my butt um like you're treated like 
an animal mm-hmm. in there. And it's like, it's like jail, but in a mental institution. Mm-hmm. Um, and the only times that I was allowed outside was when um, family would come mm-hmm. to visit. And um, I don't know if you've ever heard of Seroquel. Mm-hmm. Like 25 milligrams is enough to like knock anybody out. They had me on like 700 milligrams of Seroquel a day. Mm. And I was still um, like... Manic? Yeah. Wow. Um, and the doctors were like telling my parents like, we don't know if she is going to be able to come out of this because, Mm -hmm. uh, and that's the really sad thing about um, addicts who do have mental health Mm -hmm. issues. Um, And I think um, a lot of addicts who are homeless and on the street that don't have um, the supports that they need and who do have underlying mental health issues is that they're in a permanent state of psychosis Mm -hmm. with, um, you know, mental health diagnosis such as bipolar Mm -hmm. and they're stuck because, um, well, not only stuck, but it can get worse. Mm -hmm. Like your brain doesn't get better. No. Right. Like Mm -hmm. if if we keep putting poison in it, it's just going to gradually get Mm -hmm. worse. Mm. Yeah. So, um, I had like, I, 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 I had like uh, a lawyer finally come and talk to me because I I just I needed to get out mm-hmm. of there like in high ups especially because mm-hmm. it was like such a small like area like it couldn't have been mm-hmm. any bigger from that wall like to here of like three rooms and the shower mm-hmm. and then the common area which I was only allowed to go out if I was behaving um, and the racism never stopped I bet. So it didn't. There was, so like, there was no real freedom from that, I'm No. Sure. Um, like, just... And it was the nurse. Like, it was this one nurse, too, that mm. would, like, make the comments. Like, um, it was... It was awful. Mm. Like, and we're, it's like the 21st century. Like, why is this still happening? Because mm. um, so some people just have hate in their heart. That's yeah. That's all they got. I, mm-hmm. From whoever gave it to them and... They just keep passing it on. Yeah. Um, we can call them motherfuckers. We yeah. can say motherfuckers. Okay, I didn't know if I was allowed to swear on here. You are definitely allowed. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I've come to know those as motherfuckers. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, obviously, you know, like, once you're up here for so long with the mm-hmm. mania, like, sooner or later, you have to fucking come down. Oh, you're tanking it. Yeah. And that come down is, like, the worst come down mm-hmm. I have ever experienced mm-hmm. in my life. Like, and I, yeah, so I don't know if you experienced it where it was, like, a slide come down or where it was, like, the, they just drop you out of the airplane come down. Right, because that's what I usually get is the just dropped out of an airplane. Mine have been the same, just the drop. Um, And And all of a sudden you're just in the shit. Yeah, Yeah. so um, the lawyer helped me get out and like he got me like out of the hospital Mm -hmm. and I should have stayed to be like medicated to (laughs) for the come down. Mm -hmm. Um, And I wasn't. 
and so like I was in pretty much like in a box for two months only allowed out like here and there mm -hmm. um, when my family would come and like take me out for cigarettes um, and it was like I was was not used to like being out in public mm -hmm. I always had to carry like headphones with me because I wasn't used to being outside mm -hmm. and it was just like so much like the anxiety like um, overstimulated mm -hmm. eh? and um, with fetal alcohol syndrome um, I have hypersensitivity mm. so like being an addict like obviously like we're sensitive but like having fetal alcohol syndrome I'm hypersensitive mm. um, so very like hyper vigilant like mm -hmm. with my surroundings um, so yeah that was that was really difficult um, and then I eventually I did end up moving back to my parents and I ended up getting um, an amazing psychiatrist mm -hmm. who I, I'm still with the same psychiatrist right on. today um, yeah so after that relapse um, that really shook me up because it really showed me like just how fast and how far the disease takes you mm. once you pick up again. Um, and I went back to the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous, um, just so broken. Um, I had lost like a lot of people in my life because I harmed a lot of people when I relapsed, um, like most, like obviously myself, but when you're manic like that, people don't understand how to cope with mm -hmm. you, deal with you, mm -hmm. which is totally understandable. Yeah, because it can be a lot. It can be. Yeah. Um, and like, I, I understand that now. Mm -hmm. um, but I lost a lot of people and that was really hard. Um, so I, you know, I got a sponsor. I started working the steps again, but I never really dug deep, like deep, deep, deep mm -hmm. into like um, the stuff that I didn't want to tell anybody. And um, that really affected me because um, I had, so after that relapse, I was able to stay clean and sober for three years. Um, and then um, I let an ex-boyfriend back into mm. my life. So this guy, <laughs> as I've said for like the third time. So there's this guy. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, There's always a guy. I know. <laughs> Tale as old as time, as my friend here would say. <laughs> um, he was, he was using, mm. he was drinking and using. Um, Son of a bitch. And uh, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, that was actually the reason why I had broken up with him, mm. but he had moved away and he had come back and um, I started hanging out with him again and 
you know, there's a saying called, if you keep going and hanging out at a barbershop, you're going to get a haircut. Mm. Um, and it, it, I didn't start with the drink again right away. I started um, micro-dosing mushrooms. Mm. Um, and then, like the good little addict that I am, um, I wanted to start getting high on mushrooms again. <laughs> And then it was the weed. Um, and I had like a really good job, like the best job I think I've ever had in my life. And um, so here I am like smoking weed, microdosing mushrooms, like dabbling, like getting high, like here and there with the mushrooms. Um, I was sexually harassed at work and um, I reported it, and I got laid off. I'd like to say I'm surprised, but I, I, it's so tragic that I'm not surprised. So that just opened Pandora's box. I bet. Um, I bet. And, yeah, um, I started drinking mm. again. Um, I went manic again. Um, and this time it was really bad. Like mm -hmm. when people say that they burnt their life to the ground, I literally burnt my life to the ground. Um, I caused a fire in my apartment. Um, I lost like pretty much everything. Um, I destroyed like so many meaningful relationships mm -hmm. in my life, um, of people who I thought I was going to have, like, in my life, like, that were, like, my ride or dies. Mm -hmm. um, and again, like, when you're in a state like that, like, people don't know how to handle you because mm -hmm. you're just so, like, off the rails. And it's, it's, it's really, like, um, I don't know how you would describe it. Like, the behavior is just so out of this world, mm -hmm. like, you know, like, I I think I'm making sense, but I'm not obviously, mm -hmm. like, delusional um, kind of thinking, I guess you could say. Mm -hmm. And Well, again, it's tricky when you're, when you're trying to understand it and it doesn't make any sense, right? Mm -hmm. It's hard to describe what it is mm -hmm. exactly. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the fire happened and I... I remember that night, um, yeah, um, the, like, we had left, um, and came back, and, like, the building was being evacuated, um, like, everyone was, like, leaving the building, the fire alarms were going off, and I'm like, okay, well, my cats are up there, like, I have to go back up and get the cats. And they're like, you can't go back in the building. And I was like, I'm going back in the fucking building. Like, I'm getting my cats. So, like, I went up, um, tried to look for the cats, and, like, the sprinklers were going off. Like, I couldn't see, like, anything. So I left, and then I came back, and they were like, the fire started in your apartment. Mm. And I'm like, no, it didn't. Like, mm. it didn't start in my apartment. Like, there's no way it started in my apartment and um that was just like 
I was like, I, I just, I couldn't believe it. Mm. Like, so like not only have like, I caused like, I burnt like my <laughs> belongings. Mm. Like I caused like this harm to this person that I lived with. Like this beautiful apartment that like my parents had gotten for me that I just like destroyed mm. and, um, so like back back in the psych ward, um, so like and then just all this trauma again, mm -hmm. like from being in the hospital from the last time is happening this time, mm -hmm. and I'm in this frame of mind, and in and out of the hospital, in and out of the hospital. Um, I don't know um, why they would let me out of the hospital mm -hmm. <laughs> um, because I shouldn't have been let out of the hospital those um, are good questions for the hospitals that do that yeah Where exactly I really, did you let this person out i really shouldn't have been out. left out because mm. there was one time that i was um and i ended up doing ghb and i ended up overdosing on mm. ghb um and it's an interesting story because like i met this like random guy at the train and had i not met this guy at the train that i did the g with I wouldn't be sitting here today. Mm. Um, yeah, I just, I don't know what, I wasn't thinking, obviously. Like, it was like a full half a bottle of GHB, and I drank it all, and like, normally, like, you're only supposed to take like a couple caps, mm. but um, I drank the whole half a bottle of G, and I stopped breathing, mm. and I remember I woke up, and he was, like, shaking me, like, mm. screaming and shaking, and I was like, what is going, like, just, like, coming to you, like, mm. what is going on? And he's like, you stopped breathing, like, freaking out, mm. like. And you're like, whoa. Man. Yeah, like, yeah. I'm like, what just, and then, like, That's I just, crazy. yeah. Um, so, yeah, and um, it's, <laughs> It's funny, because, well, it's not funny, but, like, the first time that, like, I ever really had a spiritual experience was my first suicide attempt. Um, it was the, the time that I thought I was going to jail, mm -hmm. like, before I went to treatment. Um, I had drank a 40-pounder of vodka to myself, um, done a bunch of cocaine. Um, I was living with my parents at the time. Um, I was cutting myself. And something, I don't know what, just told my mom to wake up in the middle of the night and come and check on me. Mm -hmm. And she, she never did that. Um, and she found me in my room, um, like slicing my wrists open mm -hmm. with a knife. So she called um, EMS and they came and picked me up. And um, I honestly don't know what would have happened had she not woken up. Um, when she did mm -hmm. to find me like that. And I remember like thinking, wow. um, like there's no human explanation for something like that. Um, like there's no, like what could have woken her up to come and mm -hmm. check on me. So that's like kind of when I started believing, um, like, and I, I didn't really understand the whole God thing because growing up in the Catholic faith and, um, you know, like being indigenous, I had a big resentment against the Catholic church, mm -hmm. the Catholic faith for obvious reasons. Um, and I, I thought that 
in that religion, God was like judgmental and damning. And so I, I didn't really understand um, the whole concept of God until I made my own when I was doing um, the 12 steps mm-hmm. and whatnot. And, um, you know, like when I did come back to the rooms, um, I would hear people say like, relapse isn't a part of recovery and it's like you know what that's great but relapse is a part of my fucking recovery that's part of many people's recovery that's not a part of your recovery that's a part of my recovery um and i bet you if we questioned some of those people we'd ask them how many times they tried to quit before they came to the room exactly right and not that i'm criticizing anyone but i'm just saying like when when people say well I, i haven't had to go back out that's just since the time they haven't had to go back out. Yeah. So oftentimes people forget what they tried before that, right? Mm-hmm. Just because they weren't like in a room. Because I know for me, by the time I came in, I was done. But before I came in, I had tried to do all kinds of things to quit and just couldn't, mm-hmm. right? And so my stories relapsed too because I tried to control my drinking for about 10 years before That's I quit. That's a really good analogy. I like that. Mm-hmm. Thank you for sharing that You're welcome. with me. You're welcome. Um, so yeah, it, it, um, it makes me really angry when people say that Mm. um, because if I didn't have the experiences with relapse that I have um, I wouldn't be where I'm at today now Um, and I didn't something I don't (laughs) I don't suggest doing this but I didn't come back to the rooms right away Mm -hmm. just because I had harmed people in the rooms and I had so much guilt like with my relapse I had so much guilt and shame um I would be afraid that I would see these people and like I wasn't ready to face them yet so Mm -hmm. I didn't go back to the rooms right away and then from this traumatic incident kind of just opened like a plethora of um PTSD and for many, many, many months, that was the only thing I could think about mm. when I woke up. And it was the first thing that I woke up, I would think about when I woke up in the morning was um, the incidents that took place during the fire and then mm. the past trauma. Um, and I lit, like it was literally like living hell mm-hmm. for me for a really long time. Um, I wasn't medicated properly, obviously, because my antidepressants had stopped working Mm. for me because I was just so low. So your Um, mind was a prison at that point. It really was. Mm. Like, you know, when we hear people talk about, like, the bondage of self, Mm. like, I was, like, my mind really was, like, a prison. Mm. And um, I just, I wanted, I didn't even want to use... I just wanted to die, mm-hmm. like, and I thought... To make all this stop, right? Like I just all wouldn't this stop, stop. like, yeah. I'm getting emotional, like, thinking mm-hmm. about it, because I just remember, like, thinking so many days, like, is this ever going to stop? Like, mm-hmm. I just, I can't handle this anymore, like, I can't do this anymore, and I, di- I did um, end up going back to treatment, mm-hmm. Um And because I think I was suffering from post-traumatic stress Mm -hmm. disorder, um, when I went back to Aventa, being around women again, 
just like triggered my childhood trauma all over again. So I was like being hyper vigilant and I did the six week program and then I did the three month program. And it was like, just, it wasn't, I can honestly say the only good thing that came out of that for me at that time because of my mental state was I found the rooms of Narcotics Anonymous. Mm -hmm. And that was like the be all end all for me. Mm -hmm. um, just the vibe in there for me has been mm -hmm. a lot different than any other um, recovery programs that I've been in. And that's just, that's my experience, mm -hmm. right? Um, that's just what's worked for me. Um, the people in there really loved me until I learned how to love myself. And I really admire the program because rather than just like focusing on one substance, it focuses on the disease of addiction and how it manifests um, in our life. And instead of just like focusing on my character defects, like I have, um, I have assets mm -hmm. like, um, and that's, that was like huge for me um, to see that and just what has been like such a big game changer in my life is like getting outside help mm -hmm. um, and EMDR and um, my therapist has just been such a godsend like I was just so in so much pain mm -hmm. that I was just ready and willing to do like whatever it took mm -hmm. like and the the relationship that I have with her is quite interesting because I I'm I trust her mm -hmm. like I feel safe with her. Those um, relationships are hard to build. They are with, ther <laughs> with therapists. They are. They are. They're tricky. Um, she's spiritual. Mm -hmm. She's fucking cool. Right on. She swears. <laughs> she's so cool. obviously she's rad. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, for fuck's sakes, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> she's taught me a, like this really interesting thing called internal family systems and um, it's about like all the pieces of ourselves that we're born with so mm -hmm. like obviously like we have our higher self that um, God or whatever you want to call it um, has given us mm -hmm. um, that's like our our inner core at like the center of our like our being and mm. then um I have like this scared anxious lonely worried child mm. and then I have like this rebellious teenager who is like my protector for like the the lonely worried child mm. and then like the alcoholic and the addict who are like my managers and mm. then like the people pleaser and then um the perfectionist and it's like really interesting because I've been doing research on it lately and like through like um, intergenerational trauma, like we actually like develop these, these pieces of mm -hmm. ourselves, like the perfectionist and the people pleaser and um, stuff. And they get passed on. They do, mm -hmm. like from generations. Mm -hmm. um, and that was really interesting um, to me and... Um, I just, <laughs> I had this conversation with my, ther this, this therapist this one day and I was like, 
I just like, I am so thankful for you because you have helped me like so much, mm. you know, like dealing with this trauma. Um, and she started crying and then I started crying. I'm like, you're not supposed to be crying. Like, you're my <laughs> therapist. Like, we're loud. We're loud. Yeah, she's like, we're loud. She's like, it's just been so nice to like see where you were to where you are now. Mm. And like, this is like the only the beginning for you. Um, and it really is mm. because I've never like I've been in survival mode my whole life. Mm. And I feel like I am finally like stepping out into the world. Like if mm -hmm. that makes sense. Very much so. Um, I, I no longer like hate myself for being indigenous mm. and being adopted. Um, I don't hold resentment, um, or blame my parents for the way that I am anymore. Mm. And I have acceptance in my life today. And that is due to narcotics anonymous. Mm. Um, and you know, with, the fetal alcohol syndrome, like it's a blessing and a curse because, um, like, yeah, I, I'm, I'm lower on the spectrum and I have like some disadvantages, but like, I can also use them like to my advantage. Mm -hmm. Um, like I'm very empathic. Um, I'm like very like sensitive mm -hmm. when it comes to other people's feelings. And um, I'm actually going to be going back to school to become a social worker to Fantastic. help other, um, who to help young adults struggling with addiction who have fetal alcohol syndrome mm. to be like, I know what this feels like. Mm. And with the proper resources, like you're going to be okay. Mm. Um, and that's something that's like really powerful for me because like my entire life I used, I almost used it as an excuse to like hold me back, mm. um, for fear, fear of failure, um, because I am a perfectionist, mm. um, and I don't have to do that anymore. Um, and I was just like doing research today. Um, there's actually like several celebrities who have fetal alcohol syndrome, mm. like Daniel Ratcliffe has fetal alcohol syndrome. Um, mm. Randy Sanders has fetal alcohol, Bernie Sanders, sorry, has fetal alcohol syndrome. Um, Jim Carrey, mm. like all these, all these actors, like celebrities, um, mm. you know, and I, I, I was like debating, like even, um, sharing the fact that I do have FAS. Um, but if I can just like help one person mm -hmm. today by sharing my story, it's that just because we have like all these diagnoses, mm -hmm. they don't define us on who we are. Yeah. They don't, they don't mean that we're any less than anyone else. Mm -mm. Yeah. No. Um, and like for a really long time, I would think that I'm like stupid or mm. not good enough because of all these things. But really, like I'm like quite intelligent. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like um, I have self worth today, and mm. that's because 
of the work that I've done um, in Narcotics Anonymous. Like, the sponsor that I have, she's amazing. Um, like, I was able to share things with her that I've been holding on to um, for, like, over 10 years. And mm-hmm. I'm sure you've heard the saying, like, secrets keep us sick. And, mm-hmm. like, I'm literally doing... I'm literally willing to do, like, whatever it takes to stay clean and sober um, this time. Like, um, I know I may have another relapse in me, but I don't have another recovery in me because I think the guilt and shame alone would kill me. Mm. Um, And I really just want to, like, help other people who are struggling and don't have, like, the supports they need. Um who have this and it's like, you know, like when we're active in addiction and we're drinking a new thing, like we're not thinking of like being safe when Mm -hmm. we're sexually active. So like, it's pretty common Mm -hmm. um, for this to happen. Um, So, so yeah. Yeah, Yeah. right on. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah. I feel like I talked for a really long time. It was perfect. I don't know how long it was, but it feels perfect. Oh, Oh, shit. It feels amazing. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. (laughs) So I guess, is there anything else you want to share before we close it out? Um, Just that if you have these, you know, these, if you think you have these disadvantages, they're not disadvantages. You can actually use them to your advantage. Mm Yeah. Right on. Yeah. Well said. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you. It was fun. (laughs) It was.